Now entering the Bitcoin Podcast Network. It's Jesse's turn to bring in the show. <laughs> What's up, everybody? Welcome to our show, Just the Headers. We've got a wonderful week of news to bring to you um, from everything from brand new Android phones supporting native wallets to um, mm-hmm. different different actual game developers working with crypto exchanges, um, YouTube being sued as part of the BitConnect lawsuit. We've got a whole we got a whole bunch of interesting news for you this week. And uh Dee's gonna help me bring it. Yeah. You do a much better job of that, by the way. Like what are you talking better. about? Well usually I'm just like, okay hey, everybody, this is a news show. Don't do some news things. But you <laughs> you really broke it down. And you were like, hey, we're gonna we're going to talk about this. We're going to talk about that. Yeah, just give them a little you. sampler. You, you were like, we're going to do it in a smooth radio voice, too. Uh, so for the ladies that are listening, they <laughs> can enjoy it as well. And, you know, like you're just really, you're a lot more professional than I am when it comes to presenting the headlines. I don't, I don't know about that. I don't know. <laughs> maybe, maybe you make a little bit. Yeah, you add a little bit, a bit more humor than I do, I guess. You, uh, but that's a good thing, though, right? Yeah, it is. It's kind of like having like um, like sweet and sour candy. You know the sweet and sour candy that like starts sour but then gets sweet? Yeah, Sour that's Patch what Kids? We are. We're the umami of, of <laughs> umami. just Header's News. Do you know what I mean? Like, like uh, yeah. umami? Okay. Cool. I know. I know what you mean by umami. Yeah. So for you guys that don't know what umami is, it's like the epitome of great flavor in a nutshell. Umami is MSG. <laughs> really? That's all it is? I, th- I think chemically, yeah, that's like the flavor because that's, that's what, you know, umami is like in tomatoes or whatever. Oh. And, and I think that's the exact chemical, right? Umami is, here, let me look that up. Umami flavor and god. Flavor god is umami. Yeah, it says uh, the flavor of umami may be found in soy sauce, Parmesan cheese, tomatoes, and seaweed. Uh, once Professor Ikeda discovered that the amino acid glutamate was responsible for the umami flavor, he secured a patent to produce monosodium glutamate, or MSG, in 1908. So, oh, wow. yeah, I mean, that's what umami is. It's it's MSG. You are just like a walking encyclopedia. No, I'm not, dude. I just I just know about this because I was interested in like uh all the different tastes at one day. Like I was looking up, you know, like some if something is uh sweet, then the opposite is sour. If something is salty, what's the opposite of salty? It's not sweet. Spicy, apparently. Really? Yeah. I thought it was like 
blandness, but no. The opposite is salty as spicy. I, I, at least I think. I'm trying to. It's been a while since I looked that up. And then umami is. Um, I'm trying to think what the opposite of umami was. Have you ever thought that mint flavor is just cold, spicy? Like, you know, it's, spicy is hot, yeah, spicy, and then yeah. mint is just cold, spicy. What's temperature then? Hot. Is that like it's uh it, it burned my mouth. Yeah. What if Scold, what if there was like a mint? Scoldering. Mint um like ghost pepper sauce on wings. Ooh, that might be so like, pretty tasty. It's like hot, spicy, and cold, spicy, like you're saying. Wow. <laughs> Let's just explore that for the next hour and not talk about crypto news at all. I feel like we should really <laughs> dig into that because that would be a good flavor. Sorry, guys. We know you expected to hear the news. We don't give a damn. We're going to talk about minty flavor hot wings. <laughs> No, no. All right. Well, let's get to why we're here. Um, all right. So here we go. Uh, the first article. Uh, this was last last weekend. You, know, you guys know how this goes. This was last uh, weekend. And it says, uh, sorry, this article was by Avi Mizrahi. It has 3,789 views. Uh, this is from Bitcoin.com. Uh, YouTube is dragged into BitConnect. BitConnect! What's up? What's up? What's up? <laughs> A BitConnect class action lawsuit for failure to protect the victims. Interesting. So let's read a little bit. YouTube has been dragged into a class action lawsuit against BitConnect for failure to protect its users from being exposed to the scam's videos. This case might be used by Google and others to justify their bans on crypto ads, arguing that their algorithms cannot distinguish between legitimate projects and frauds. So is YouTube to blame for BitConnect? YouTube has been added as defendant in a class action lawsuit. Um, this is this information is publicly available. It was filed with the Southern District Court of Florida. Of course, if this would happen in Florida, because that's where most crazy shit goes down. Uh, several of the affiliate promoter defendants had partnerships with YouTube, pursuant to which the BitConnect defendants disseminated fraudulent and harmful content unsuspecting victims across the globe. So I guess what this is saying is like BitConnect was such a wide-reaching Ponzi scheme and there were so many loud voices in the audience saying that it was a Ponzi scheme that YouTube of all places should have known and protected its users like a paladin of good, a paladin of extreme righteousness and protected us all from the evil that is the Sauron of cryptocurrency. BitConnect. Am I right or am I wrong on any of that? I mean, I mean, I'm reading the comments and and like people are saying, um, it's the fault of the investor um, versus the fault of YouTube. You're for, damn right. Yeah, exactly. Well, for for you know, investing their money into a scam. Um. Yeah. I and then mean, somebody kind of takes it too far, and he goes. Uh, know your customers too damn costly to commerce, innovation, and freedom. First it cripples finance, now it threatens to cripple the internet. I think that's that's taking a little bit too far. Mm-hmm. Even PewDiePie fell for this. If you don't know who PewDiePie is, he's like a YouTube personality who's... No, no, no. Uh, he was speaking out against it. He was condemning it. Yeah, he was condemning YouTube, right? He was condemning BitConnect. He was no, condemning he was YouTubers for promoting BitConnect. 
Oh, it says, after the matter was exposed, a number of prominent people on the platform called out YouTubers for... Oh, he was yeah. calling out YouTubers. Okay, yeah. I get it. Yeah, he was calling out YouTubers who were promoting BitConnect. Yeah. Well, long to short, BitConnect went from some odd dollars, like what, $52 to less than two. It's definitely dead. Um, I feel really sorry for those people holding bags at $2. They probably didn't weren't paying attention to anything, and that's where they are now. But everybody in the world told you BitConnect was a scam. So, I mean, what the hell is wrong with you? You almost deserved what you get. All right, next article. We need a better segue than next article, I think. I think we should start to get more clever with that. Hold on, hold on. I got this. I got this. Speaking of things being filed, filings link crypto exchange Bitstamp to the game maker Nexon. You know, uh, do you know Nexon? Um, I don't know Nexon. Do you know Nexon? Yeah, Maple Story, Combat Arms. Um, there's probably a few other big. For some games. reason, when you say Nexon, I want to say Nexoff, like uh, you know, Mr. Oh. Miyagi. That's racist. I, I didn't feel like it was racist until you said it was racist, and I apologize, okay. Jesse. You don't apologize, um, really. You just wanted. You went for the joke. I didn't go for the joke. And it hurt me deeply. <laughs> so yeah. Filings link crypto exchange bitstamp to game maker Nexon. Nexon, sorry. Um so what what is this article about? Um Poet Filings released in late May established the strongest link yet between Bitstamp, a Korean gaming firm, and Nexon Nexoff, which is rumored to have bought the cryptocurrency exchange earlier this year. Um Wait, Nexon bought Bitstamp? That's what it looks like. Those rumors date back to spring when sources indicated that Nexon Nexoff would pay as much as $500 million for Bitstamp, one of the industry's longest-running Bitcoin exchanges. Word of the acquisition also came months after Nexon Nexoff bought a majority stake in crypto exchange Corbit for roughly $80 million in September 2017. So what it looks like to me is that Nexon Nexoff is buying crypto exchanges so they can um, like have... Uh, access to um, large and large amounts of crypto. Um, why would a gaming company do that? I don't know. Maybe it's just another line item in their books. Because if they really wanted an in-game currency, they could just make one that would be good and great, or they could just leverage crypto itself. I really don't know what they're up to, but that seems like a chess move. No, no, no. Look at the look. There's a, there's two paragraphs in the article um, that say. Um, that Nexon, Nexon Korea said that it has nothing to do with the Bitstamp acquisition, but then the other two paragraphs um, explain further, saying, "But a corporate disclosure submitted by Nexon Group Holding Company (NXC) and obtained by CoinDesk suggests that some kind of deal took place. NXC, mm -hmm. Nexon Group's parent company, is 98.28% owned by Nexon founder Kim Jong Ju and his family. According to the report, NXC owns 100% of a Belgian company called XM or NXMH." BVBA, an investment and consulting firm, NXHMBVBA. Mm. Uh, they they flip flop the uh, the letters there. Do you see that? I do. See NXMH that. versus NXHM. 
I wonder which one's right. Anyway, with 99% ownership, created Bitstamp Holdings, NV, also a Belgian company, on February 1st of this year. The report states that Bitstamp Holdings, NV, acquired 100% of Bitstamp Japan Co. Limited on April 25th. Jeez, this is a lot of shell games. Wow, that's yeah, it's like a shell of so a shell oh. that owned a shell bought a shell and then all yeah. three shells were bought at once. No, 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 you're right. It's a shell of a, a a shell of a shell. Sorry, hold on, let me get this straight. Um, a shell of a shell NXT just bought a shell. Owns a shell. The shell owns rich, rich people have too much money. A shell. And that shell. So it's it's just it's only it's only one layer. So it's a shell owns a shell, and that bought the Bitstamp shell mm. that owns Bitstamp. Um, and then, and then, uh, but the but the original shell is actually um, a consulting firm shell under um, the parent company NXC. Can you imagine having so much money that you had to have shell companies that own shell companies? No, I can't imagine. I can't that. imagine that either. That's a whole nother life. You know, that's that's one thing. Like Valve, like I don't understand why Valve doesn't. I, actually, they may have a bunch of shells, because every every platform, every game developer or a game publisher, um, whether it's Nexon or Valve or um, I guess Activision, like where does all the money go that they make from creating all these in-game items? And selling them to users, who then those users sell them to other users, and then the platform, the the marketplace platform, takes a percentage cut in real money again. So not only do they profit from originally creating the item and selling it to the user, they profit from a percentage of the item's worth of the user trading it to an, another user. Like, where does all that money go? Like, how does that get reported? That must be a stupid amount of money. Mm-hmm. I'm guessing it's hundreds of millions, right? Because more than that, way more than like, like if for every game, like on Steam, for example, every game has multiple cards that you actually get, like at least five cards is what you get when you purchase a game, right? And each card is anywhere between three cents to, you know, maybe 12 cents on average. Some cards are worth, you know, a dollar or in the tens of cents, but every card is at least worth three cents, a minimum of three cents, and you get five cards per game. Now, there are a lot of... I wonder, like, how many games... How many games are owned by the average user, and how many cards do they have? Because there's, like... If there are millions... No, there must be... There must be at least... At least millions of cards, maybe even billions of cards. And those are, like, three-cent cards. And every time they're traded... Like the Steam marketplace gets a cut, and also, like, I don't. How does that work? They're just printing well, if it's money billions, in the cards. If, if it's billions of cards, and then if they're worth some cents, then that's just millions of that's hundreds of millions of dollars. But that's not that, that. Yeah, that's just the value of the actual card, not the value, the percentage taken. Like the, I think it's eighteen percent that's taken from the trade. Like they charge you a minimum of one cent. I don't know, man. They're making a shit ton of money. 
They're obviously making a good amount of money because uh, they're fucking buying crypto exchanges like it's going out of style. Or sorry, they're owning things that can buy things that crypto exchanges own. I think that's how that article read that. So, and they're making money, man. Video gamers are making money out here. Yeah, it's crazy. Speaking of money. Five of the best blockchain explorers. Did you get that segue? That segue was money in the bank. I think I, yeah, that was good. No, it wasn't. That was such a bad segue. Um, if, if you wanted to, you could have like removed the pause and then just slipped right into it. Yeah, that's true. And let's, that would have been a strong segue. Let's repeat. Let's run it back. Um, Is that a wood keyboard? Look at that keyboard in the image. I'm looking at it. I like it. Speaking of money, um, four days ago, Kai Sedgwick released an article with 4,236 views that says five of the best blockchain explorers. If you don't know what a blockchain explorer is, it is a software online where you can explore like different blocks. And typically, you search for things inside of the blocks by the transaction ID or the the um, wallet address. Um, I think there's also like a transaction hash. Uh, some of them you look for the transaction headers, um, but you take different bits of information and you explore the blockchain. Um, like what kind of inputs and outputs, those kinds of things. So, yeah. Why don't you go ahead and take this one? I'm looking at wooden keyboards. I didn't even know that was a thing. It's a thing. This one's maybe. handcrafted in France, made of walnut wood. You just got so you got that sidetracked. You like, <laughs> yeah, no, that's I've never seen a wooden keyboard. Anyway, so do you want me to take the five of the best blockchain explorers article? Yeah, man, you take this one. All right, so here we go. So uh, the first one is blockchain.com. Um, it says it's probably best known as BTC. Oh, it's the best known BTC explorer. Uh, while its functions are basic by the standards of today's explorers, you can search by block, transaction, or address. It's trusted, reliable, and well-presented. Site also provides a wealth of stats pertaining to BTC activity over the past 24 hours. Um, it actually shows you hash rate, and then there's like a nice visualization of the price um, and, you know, the, the time. Um, all right, so I guess the next one is block chair. I've never heard of this one. Block what now? Blockchair.com. Um, it says, search the blockchain world for anything. Is the uh, is there... Are you saying blockchain? It's rallying cry. Yeah, blockchair, like the chair you sit on. Oh, okay. Yeah. I don't know why. Why do they call it a chair? Uh, that's very interesting. Uh, blockchair. Why would you call a block explorer blockchain? Maybe because you're sitting on the blockchain like a G? I don't know. I'm just I, I have no to, idea. I'm trying to put myself in their frame of mind. It says it you provides access to a trove of valuable data pertaining to the BTC, BCH, and ETH blockchains, including such things as mempool size, fees, number of nodes, and difficulty. 
Um, block chair keeps getting better in its array of variables that can be searched as unmatched. The block or the explorer will even let you search for words and phrases that are encoded in the blockchain, oh, enabling wow. the curious to discover whether their hometown sports team or child's name has been permanently encoded in the blockchain. That uh, that's pretty cool. That's pretty cool. I like Etherscan, and I like um, blockchain.info, which is now blockchain.com. Those are my two oh, favorite okay. blockchain explorers. Um, yeah, I like blockchain.info and, and Etherscan yeah. as well. I didn't know about these like token view. Apparently, that's a Chinese explorer. Yeah, um, as someone who does business using crypto, um, blockchain explorers come in really handy for like, you know, if someone sends you payment, you also ask for the transaction ID. You plug the transaction ID into the block explorer, and you can see that input come in. It's really great. And then if they're using a software where they can encode messages, you can also see, you know, like they'll say, like they'll put a message in there and say it should be that. And then you, you know, you can look for that as well. So I didn't know there's a Bitcoin.com block explorer. Yeah, it used to be a big blockchain.info. Oh, you mean Bitcoin? No, 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 no. Yeah, Bitcoin.com has its own block explorer. Oh, uh, yeah. I mean, uh, interesting. I like this blockchain one because it shows you uh, implementations by countries. Like, it, it just has a lot more data. Um, yeah, this is really cool, actually. I like this. It's a lot. Yeah, this was a good article. So, um, just in case you guys didn't know, let's review that real quick. Uh, blockchain.com, um, blockexplorer.com, um, blockchair.com, tokenview.com, etherscan.io, and uh, bitcoin.com has one. So, um, those are the top five according to bitcoin.com. They gave themselves, they rated themselves fifth. How modest of you, Bitcoin.com. So modest. You really hate them. <laughs> I don't like Bear. It's, it's that I, I, I'm cordial because I'm a grown adult man. And whenever yeah. I have him on the show and I talk to him, I can remain cordial. However, the shit that he spouts off on his Twitter is like, come on, man. Just go, just go in a cave. Yeah, yeah, he really is trying to push Bitcoin Cash. Misinformation is what he's trying yeah. to push. So. Yeah, he's really pushing that hard. Um, and you know how hard he's pushing it is because whenever I state like this is misinformation on his Twitter, you know how many people come at me and are like, you've just been brainwashed by the Blockstream zealots. And I'm like, you guys, this is not Dungeons and Dragons. Like, <laughs> The earth is flat. Yeah, like... You can relax, okay? Like, I'm just telling you what he said is false, and this is why it's false. Um, but whatever. It's okay. Um, and let's go to the next article. All right. You like that so segue? on Monday, I liked it. I liked it. So Monday, first article on Monday, A16Z Monday. leads $45 million dollars. Uh, or $45 million raise for blockchain startup Oasis Labs. Oh. Uh, I don't I don't know what that is. Oh, it I says it's Oasis a, is overused as a word nowadays. Why? It's just because is the world so shitty that Oasis is everyone's favorite word? I feel like I hear that a lot. Oasis here, Oasis there, Oasis everywhere. Oh, never mind. I just watched Ready Player 1. 
Sorry. Oh. That's why it's on my mind. Oasis. I haven't seen it yet. Oh. Well, the the whole world is called Oasis because the world sucks that. I think I just literally said the plot of Ready Player One and tried to impart that onto reality. And I'm sorry, everyone. Um, If you haven't seen that movie, spoiler alert, the kids win. Um, Come on. Everybody (laughs) saw that coming. Everyone saw that coming. Um, Sorry, I, I've been in, I've been I've interrupted you. Go on with the article. Um, okay, so this sale led by Andreessen Horowitz's uh, and new another thing. No, I'm kidding. Crypto fund. Saw Excel, Binance, Pantera, Polychain, Metastable, Foundation Capital, Electric Capital, DCVC, and Coinbase co-founder Fred Ersom all contribute. Um, according to Ashram. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. All right. Uh, according to a press release, um, most notably, this was A16Z's first investment since completing its $300 million raise last month. Oasis CEO Don Song told Coindesk. Um, the startup is now focusing on developing its core features, Song said, which will be deployed to the company's private test network, slated to be open to the public, quote, soon. Um, it's the startup's blockchain itself that may be garnering all the investor attention. Um, according to Song, its architecture allows transactions to be verified with, quote, far less duplication while providing the same level of integrity and sig- uh, security guarantees. Um, mm. Interesting. Hmm. So it's a machine learning framework uh, that has smart contracts available, like, I guess, smart contract availability. How come it says it's backwards compatible with Ethereum? So what does this mean uh, to, to our listeners? Just uh, some rich dude raised money for some company? So it just means it's another machine learning um, blockchain platform. Is Augur is one, right? Yeah, is that what Augur is? Yes. No. Augur is a prediction market. Oh, okay. I got to let my dog in. Take the wheel. All right. So here we go to the second article of Monday. Um, this is brought to you by Cointelegraph.com, written by Marie Huillette. Um, it says, Chinese yuan now accounts for less than 1% of Bitcoin trades, says People's Bank of China report. It has 12,937 total views and 284 total shares. It goes on to say, China's central bank, the People's Bank of China, has stated that the Chinese yuan now accounts for less than 1% of global Bitcoin transactions. Local news outlet Asia Times reports today, July 9th. Um, The People's Bank of China released a new report on Friday, July 6th, indicating that the yuan's share of global Bitcoin trades has plunged in the months following the government's crackdown on the cryptocurrency the industry asia times reports whereas in 2017 chinese exchanges accounted for over 90 percent of the global crypto industry a figure a figure corroborated in this week's pboc report their current less than one percent share reveals the momentous impact of policy restrictions guo dazi research director at the zong what zongun kun Internet Finance Institute is quoted by Asia Times as saying that 
Quote, the new figures indicate that the policy has been very successful. It is within expectations that the yuan's share in global Bitcoin transactions would drop after China announced the ban. Hmm. I wonder how how um, reliable is this news uh, source, the A- Asia Times? Because um, that that's a why? really what's, big what's making you What's making you wonder that? That seems like a very... Um, are you saying they're full guess, of shit? Are you saying they're full well, of no, shit? No, no, yeah, no. I wonder are. from from ninety percent to yeah. less than one percent. Is that's, that's is China really that good at controlling um I guess money into crypto? I mean, yeah, they're China. I mean I don't live there, that's why I'm just like our only news source is this uh Asia oh. Times report. I wish we, I wish um, we had somebody in China that was able to. She had a man on the ground. Yeah, like a, like a man in on the ground in China, who who knew about um, the actual news. Yeah, I don't know if they'd even be keen to let that guy get news out, right? Because it's China. So, or mm-hmm. excuse me, I'm saying that incorrectly. China. It says China's September 2017 ban on crypto exchanges and ICOs became yet more stringent in early 2018 with officials stepping up their restrictions in January to include a broader category of, quote, market-making platforms and services. Uh, in February, China added offshore currency, cryptocurrency exchanges and ICO websites to its great firewall, t- further toughening its stance. Interesting. So China's like really like cutting off crypto. Yeah, that's because they can't control the the flight to capital that's happening there. Like we've actually interviewed someone from China on the on the main show, and mm-hmm. they specifically, I can't name names, can't say anything. They specifically said that we are not allowed to talk about. We're not even allowed to mention flight to cap like uh, flight to capital. Is that what it's called? Well, anyways, when people are trying to dump the Chinese yuan to get other stuff because they don't want the Chinese yuan so badly it'd be like if the u.s dollar was so shit and we were trying to get venezuelan uh whatever no it's like it's like china's like ripple and nobody wants ripple nope and because ripple labs controls the ripple in circulation and china controls the yuan pretty much but then they can't they can't switch they can't get off the chinese yuan because China is communist. Yep. <laughs> we're speaking. I like. We're speaking a lot, yeah. very broadly, about stuff that we that yeah, takes a lot more in depth. Like because everything is made in China, so no one wants the yuan. Yawn. No, I'm kidding. That was, not everything is made in China. Most of it is. The rest of it's made in Mexico. All right. Next article is. <laughs> I'm only speaking facts. Tens of millions <laughs> uh, view crypto tech during the World Cup. Ooh, this is spicy. Hyundai or Hyundai. Hyundai. Is it Hyundai or is it Hyundai? I don't actually know. I've heard it pronounced both ways before. Hyundai. Digital asset company. Wow, a shell company. Paid to air television <laughs> commercial for its blockchain solution-based services during this year's World Cup in Russia. And while it was only a little half a minute, little over half a minute, 
it's something of a first, baby. The crypto community generally wowed at the ecosystem's arrival, its maturity, and having the idea put in front of tens of millions of people. That many people watch the World Cup? I have no idea. Tens of millions. That sounds about right. Um, Man, how many babies do you think were made in Croatia this year? Hot damn. There are going to be some babies made. 30 million viewers of the World Cup. Oh, you just dodged that question. Um, um, however, is this really an advancement or is it just another cynical corporate ploy to exploit a little understood technology? Wow, that turned fast. That took a hairpin turn. It was like, praise the commercial. But is it just evil? Is it an evil commercial? Um, there's not much to see here. There's a commercial from HDAC, which is a shell company of Hyundai. And, um... They paid for a blockchain commercial. I can see in here blockchain secured. Um, HDAC technology is building the future with a blockchain solution. That doesn't, with the blockchain solution, that doesn't make any sense. Um, I wish all these companies the best of luck, but really, if, if you're not Bitcoin, Ether, or Litecoin, your blockchain solution is most likely shit right now. I'm just throwing that out there. They're talking about oh, I guess the ad is is about the blockchain securing communication between your home appliances and you being able to control that. So I guess like merging blockchain with yeah. Internet of Things stuff. Yeah, we don't want anyone hacking into your fridge, Jesse, and it turning it into a murderous fridge. Like somehow it'll grab you and put your head in the door frame and then smash your head because it gets murderous because someone hacked it. Well, how annoying would it be if they just shut off your fridge and then all your food goes bad? Well, you're thinking really low level. You got to step it up a notch. How annoying would it be if they stuck your foot in the freezer until it froze off? What? Wait, how would they get your foot into the freezer? Because they hacked your freezer. Why would your foot be in the freezer? Because the freezer put it there. What? You're thinking low level. You're thinking low level stuff. Like make it so that the light doesn't come on on you're really annoyed at night when you want to go get a midnight snack. Maybe you left some fried chicken in there. You like cold fried chicken. You open the door. The light doesn't come on. You're thinking low level. I'm you, thinking you're high thinking, level. You're thinking. You're thinking too low level. Like what, what about if they put your hand in the humidifier so long that your nails just. Fall what off? about what if they what if they turned on your oven, turned on your microwave, and turned on the cold air in your home at the same time so that it's just perpetual energy you're just wasting so much electricity and then your energy bill is super high see now you're thinking up there or they hack into the thermostat and put it on 98 degrees so you suffocate yeah yep they could do that or um what else could they do what if they hacked into your shower head and kept turning it from the massage mode to the spray mode just to get on your nerves. What if they locked you in your house? <laughs> Inside of your house? They and then keep... they and then they, they used your your Amazon Go buttons and they ordered a ton of hot pockets. And then turn the house thermostat to 120. Ooh, wow. That's just pure evil. 
Hacking people's houses could be funny, but it could also be it actually, dreadfully yeah. dangerous. No, it would probably just be really yeah. funny. Oh, turn on the gas. Can they do that? Do people are, are, are gas lines automated now? Maybe, man. What if you hacked it to the dishwasher and kept cutting it off mid-cycle, and like you weren't, and then like, because you know dishwashers are so good now, the decibels are so low, you won't realize that your dishwasher is cut off mid-cycle. You go and open it up, and you're like, "What the hell, man? This knife still has peanut butter on it. Did this thing not run all the way through?" And then you look at it, and you're like, "Holy shit! It cut off mid-cycle. Who keeps doing this?" You ask somebody, you're like, "Hey, did you open the dishwasher, take out a dish?" No, I haven't been home all day. How could I have done that? Like, damn it. That would suck. You always get dirty dishes. You keep trying to do the dishes in the we dishwasher. Would be terrible life ruiners, by the way. Like, I could see us hacking into people. <laughs> I'm going to hack into their ceiling fan and reverse the direction. <laughs> um, next article. All right, Sorry, so... that was a bad segue. And now we're going on to Tuesday's news. It's the first article. Oh, yeah, hell yeah. That's, a, that's Widowmaker in the uh, image. That is Widowmaker. Why is Widowmaker? Overwatch. Yeah, you know, why is... she's the most attractive lady in that game. Oh, it has to do with cosplay platform. A cosplay platform. Oh, it's not platform. because... Okay, I think I just said something sexist then. <laughs> Established cosplay platform turns to blockchain to tackle harassment and copyright issues. Or if I were British, I would say harassment. A company that bills itself as the world's largest cosplay platform, interesting, is turning to blockchain to help the industry develop a sustainable economy, tackling tackling issues such as (laughs) harassment. Are you laughing at my tongue twister moment? Yep. I can feel you laughing, laughing at, at it. Tackling issues such as harassment and copyright in the process. Uh, Cure World Cosplay is an international community of more than 720,000 members, um, only 115,000 of them being furries, uh, in 180 countries. Available Wait, what? <laughs> I was looking for that line in the paragraph. <laughs> you know that at least a seventh of the cosplay community are furries. That you, is a have very, you actually? Do you know anybody in your like real life day to day that is actually a furry? I don't know anybody that's a furry. Um, I don't even see what would be appealing about that. But do you know anybody? No, I don't, and I wish I did because you could ask that might questions be about it. That yeah, like that could be the next thing. Like the next people that want their rights recognized. <laughs> You're ridiculous. You took you took that so far. <laughs> no, but like, <sighs> you took they, that to such have... an extreme. No, no, just like, think, just think, just think. What like, rights don't furries have? Well, we haven't. We don't have people yet who have body modifications. Like you know, they have hoofs, or they have like actual tails, right? Because, um. CRISPR hasn't, you know, we haven't done that to our children yet. Um, but if that does happen, I wonder if they'll be, they'll have the same rights as you are normal a different people. Brainwave tonight, Jesse. I applaud you, sir. No, but that's like how furries. Okay. Anyway, sorry. Wait, furries want to be the animal? I thought they just want to like 
be the animal, but not be the animal, if you catch my drift. No, they don't they want to be the animal? Do you think there's they people walking around on this earth that want to be giant panda bears or giant squirrels? I think people want to be a a human version of that. You know, maybe not completely panda bear, but like partly you think they panda say bear. Things like I'm looking for some intense panda on penguin action. Like they say that in like their version of like uh, Tinder, like furries. Like the Tinder app, like if first of all, like if you're on furry Tinder, how do you know when to swipe right or left? Because does that all actually exist? Animals. Is there a furry Tinder? I want to have to look exist. this up. There was there was a kid that I I met online. He was actually working on that. It Tinder exists. for furries. It's called furrymate.com. How does that oh even God. work for for like a normal? Not normal, furry but mate, like for two where real relationships begin. Furrymate.com is your premier furry dating and relationship site. Oh my god, it's real. So like, okay, so what do you do every night? Like when you're trying to like, you put on Kenny G, light some candles, and then get into a full squirrel uniform and go to town? Is that what we're saying happens right now? There are people who are quoted on Twitter. Saying that Furry Mate is a great gift to the community. I have to look this up. I have to look up who this person is. I don't even know why we're talking about furries anymore. Oh, the cosplay thing. Uh, Cosplay on the blockchain. That's in a nutshell. That's the article. But wait. There's an entire application designed for furries to meet each other and fall in love. The answer to that? Yeah. Yes, there is. Um, turns to blockchain to hand, uh, to tackle harassment and copyright issues. So, okay. Co- oh, there's a token crowd sale. Okay. This looks um, like a PR. Did you slide a PR in here, Jesse? Yeah, totally. Founder of cosplay token. You split a PR in here. What is this? No, I just thought it was interesting. All right. Little do you know, they actually paid me under the table to bring that news article up. <laughs> and you didn't give me any. What the hell, man? We could they be in Vegas me. right now. We could they be in Vegas. Me. They paid me in their their token for their dating app. It's it's uh it's in development. Oh, crazy! I hope that token works out for you. I hope <laughs> it's worth more than nothing. Uh, segue that bitch like. <laughs> I will, motherfucker. I'm segueing this shit <laughs> right now. Um, so here we go. Here we go. Um, speaking of dudes that are into people that wear furry outfits to get it on, Ethereum's Joe Lubin says, We're moving in. <laughs> shit. I can't keep a straight face when I do that shit. Um, Joe Lubin is not a furry. Please don't sue me, Joe. Uh, he says, We're moving into phase two of the ETH blockchain this year. That made me want to do the Ola. In a wait, 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 wait. I thought the next one was about merchants. Maybe I clicked on the wrong one. Yeah, oh, sorry. Gave you guys some foreshadowing. Uh, here's the real article. <laughs> uh, speaking of Ethereum in phase two, 100 merchants can now trial Bitcoin's Lightning Network risk-free. 
Um, <laughs> these segues are terrible. Um, this one's written by Le Quen, um, which if you say that fast, it can be dangerously close to a racial slur. But her name is Le Quen. Um, a few what lucky merchants... What racial slur is that? Sorry, okay, never go ahead. I'm not going to say it. You've already called me racist once. I'm not going to say it. Yeah, again. but you already do that. You do that at least three times every show. No, I don't. Are you calling me uh, racially... Um, uh, You're racially insensitive person. I'm racially insensitive? Who makes an average of three insensitive racist remarks every show. <laughs> oh, shit. Somebody's going to call the FCC on us. You've got the statistic. It would have been worse if you called me a statistic. Then we would have been in different territory, my friend. Uh, what is CoinGate? Oh, it's a payment processor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So oh, revealed exclusively to CoinDesk, payment processing startup CoinGate is opening up a pilot program. If you don't know what a pilot program is, it means it's it's only available to a few people. Um that will allow 100 merchants to trial a lightning-enabled version of its service. Uh, so CoinGate's a payment processor, but they're going to put that shit on lightning, baby. Uh, one which taps into the open-source tech meant to make Bitcoin transactions fast and cheap. It isn't meant. It does. It's just not like you can do, I think, up to a $26 transaction and have it have the high likelihood of it going and finding a channel and going smooth. So here's a quote from Redis Belascus, who is the CTO of CoinGate. He says, it's a very new technology. Inevitably, there will be some bugs, either in our implementation or in the Lightning Network. It will help not just us, but the whole community, because the bugs we find might help the whole protocol. So, yeah, they're, they're doing a pilot run for some sh lucky people and... Uh, Fucking, uh, if it works out great, then fucking, uh, we got a lightning network, uh, going well. So if it doesn't, uh, we got bugs. We're going to fix them. Well, also. well, read, read that the paragraph under it says, um, although lightning invoices are typically limited by the protocol itself to 0.042 Bitcoin each right. or under $300 according to current prices, CoinGate CEO Vilius Seminus told Coindesk there's no established limit to how many invoices CoinGate will reimburse if funds are lost. Hmm. I didn't know that there's, um, says, uh, what is, yeah. what is that? What does that mean? Lightning invoices are limited to 0.042. So is that the minimum purchase? No, I think that's the maximum before it starts bugging out. Right. Because you can actually put a lot of, of oh, Bitcoin okay, that's the maximum. The okay. Oh. So yeah, so the Lightning, Lightning Network is all about the capacity and the number of channels, right? And the number of channels that are open with like and a certain amount of Bitcoin, right? So there's a capacity right now, like three hundred thousand Bitcoin, right? But there's likely only one channel, right, where that exists. So the likelihood of your transaction going through is very, very small because there's only one channel. If it goes up, it goes down, blah, blah, blah. But since there's like, you know, maybe 500 channels of like 0.01 Bitcoin or even 0.000001 Bitcoin um, to 0.1 Bitcoin, then there's a really high likelihood that your transaction is going to find a path to the other user, right? 
That's how the Lightning Network is working. So the more Bitcoin channels that are open and for a larger amount, the higher the probability your transaction gets from point A to point B uh, fast and free. So okay. that's why it kind of works. How much like money is, is then how much money is um, on the lightning on this lightning network channel if the maximum purchase is point zero four two Bitcoin? Well, how much money is that in dollars? Point uh, zero four two three hundred dollars. So maximum purchase price of three hundred dollars. So how much money is in that channel? Three hundred dollars. Oh, oh, there's, I thought. Like that channel is only $300 big. Oh, okay. I thought it was like. Uh... But the, the way Lightning Network works is like any purchase under that can be routed through that channel, right? Okay. And so like the beauty of the Lightning Network isn't like it makes every single Bitcoin transaction fast is that it adds a payments layer on top of Bitcoin that give you things like the ability to buy coffee, right? So I've said this many times on many shows, I'll say it again on this one, the average credit card purchase for anyone on the planet at any given time is $44. That's That goes all the way from you guys splurging and getting $3,000 TVs on your credit card um, to the people who are spending like $1 at the gas station on a pack of gum. You average all that out and it's $44, right? So, and that's credit and debit card swipe. So Visa, Visa, that's Visa. So, you know, if there's a if there are a plethora of channels open between zero dollars and three hundred dollars, then you have a very high probability of getting that instantaneous free transaction. But the second you go over that, if you're like, oh, I'm trying to buy this PlayStation 4 Pro, got a war edition, baby, I'm buy this on Lightning Network. Well, it's, it's, there's a probability that transaction might not be uh, bug free. Is good. Are we good? Well, I'm 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 more curious. I thought it the way I was reading it is there's multiple channels that are I guess three hundred dollars then. Yeah, they have multiple. So how channels. many? How many? How many channels are available? How much well, money did they dedicate? That I mean, if uh, that's not in the article, it looks like it does look like that's in the article. There's no relationship to how much money is dedicated to a channel. Live Jasmine is one of their. Live Jasmine, a cam site, has 40 million daily visitors. Jeez, man. Is anybody even working anymore? Or is everybody just fucking cranking it all day, every day? 40 million people are going to just that one cam site? How many people are going to Pornhub? How many people are going to... I bet you a sixth of the human population is cranking it at once at all times. How many people live on the planet? Is it like a billion? Like four seven billion? billion? Seven billion? I'm willing to bet a sixth of that seven billion are cranking it as we speak. Hmm. Probably not. A sixth. A sixth. That's a, sixth. a lot. Yeah. All right, a third. That's that's even more. Sorry. Yeah, that's more. A sixth. <laughs> Damn, that was bad. <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking of sixty percent in my head for some reason. <laughs> I was like, "Wait, no, okay, a sixth, so a half of a third. Yeah, 
You don't think that's accurate at all? I don't know. I feel not really. We should segue to the next article. No, I just, I just don't think that that's that's true. Here's one last that thing about article. So in the future, one nice thing about Lightning merchants is that if they invoice you in one currency and the payer wants to pay in a different currency, that will be possible. Mm, the future is now. All right, next article. Wednesday, Wednesday, Wednesday. Coming at you, baby. Oh, Wait, so question. No, back back, back to the previous article. Yeah. Um, did Corey ever set up his um, Lightning Network? I don't think he set up a lightning node. I set up a lightning node. Oh, you did? Yeah. How much money did you, um, I guess, put for the channel to that channel? Yeah. Zero, zero five, I believe. I didn't put a lot because I didn't want to lose a lot. Yeah. How does, how do you, I guess, how do you pull the money or you can't pull the money back out once you, is it called staking it? No, I mean, it can be similar to staking it, but really you just opened up a channel on the Lightning Network and any transactions that go through my little point zero zero five, um, I do get a little bit of the cut from it, but it's so yeah. small, right? Like point zero zero five Bitcoin is not that much. It's like, what? Um, 60 cents. $30? Yeah. Wait. yeah it's like 30, 30 something dollars. $30. Yeah, so that's not that much. So that's that. how do you, it's how almost do you like reverse that? When you how do you close it? Like if you close it, can you get your point? Yeah, when I close the channel, 0.05? it's, it's yeah. that's it. It's it's closed, and it, then it gets then another transaction goes on the blockchain saying that that transaction is now closed, and this is these are the balances between the channels. This channel has this much. Sorry, this uh, point of the point A of the channel has. Ten dollars. Point B of the channel has twenty dollars. What is point A and I? I, I need to Those learn about that. Those are the two that. people between the two channels. Yes. So that's one of the things I've learned about the Lightning Network is it's almost like square zero when it comes to starting out. It's a whole another layer of learning on top of just Bitcoin, right? Um, what happens if people are using your your channel and you close it? Then my channel is no longer available for them. And you get your money, money back, or whose money? Like, how does they get their money back? But my money stays. It's only a thirty dollars channel. Your money is lost, or do you get the money back? Or like, no, their money is that. fine. It just—it's like—it's like if you started walking on a path, and then the path disappears. We just go back to the starting point. You start work. Choose another path. So there's no there's no point at which person A spends twenty dollars on your on your $20 channel and before it gets to person B, you close the channel. Well, if there's only two people in the channel, then what do you mean? Oh, so I thought, I thought there's a, there's a third party. You are the third party by opening up a channel and dedicating, you know, X amount of money no, no, no. to it. Like me and you open up a channel, right? And oh, it's, it's only for me and you. It's only it's for like, me and you, but uh-huh. Other transactions can be routed through it while it's open, right? It's like having an open road or like an open tube where the water can go, right? So if we have a $30 channel, then any transaction 30 and below can be routed through that channel as uh-huh. long as it's open, right? So if there's like, 
10 people trying to send $5, and those $5 transactions can all be routed through. Yeah, can you, like, catch a transaction before, like, while it's in our channel and before it leaves? No. Like, if our channel closes while something is routing, then the, the things that was routing are just interrupted. Now, what I don't know is if they automatically start... That's what I think people complain about the Lightning Network is because it doesn't automatically try to reroute you. It just... Your transaction just doesn't go through. And so you lose that money? You don't lose that money, but your transaction doesn't go through. Oh. Right? So that's the, the marvelous thing about common day routers, like literal routers, is that yeah. if your packages aren't going through that route, then it'll automatically like find the fastest route. Well, the Lightning Network doesn't do that yet. So if me and you and our $30 channel, we're doing business, and then one day you're like, you know what, um, like that's it for this channel. We don't need to um, do business anymore. And we close that channel, then if anything was in that path, then that, that transaction doesn't go through. All right. So, so what I'm so getting what at is, are, is go ahead. Um, so if you who dedicates, so say we're opening a channel of of value a hundred dollars. Mm -hmm. Okay. So does that mean it's your hundred dollars or is it my hundred dollars? Right now, that's a great question. Right now, I think it's only it's like unidirectional. So one of us dedic uh, dictates how much it is. But okay. in a very like recent, um, in a very uh, like sorry, a very uh, high priority update. Um, for the Lightning Network and people developing on that protocol is that um, you, we can decide and we both can contribute to a channel. So when you say it's unidirectional, do you mean that I say it's $100, I start the channel and I put down my $100 and only my, my money can go toward you? Because that's what unidirectional means, right? Yes. And that is what it means. So I can only pay you up to $100. Yeah. Now, when I when I pay you a hundred dollars, what happens to that channel? Does it close? It's open. It only closes when we close it, and then send that trend that closing transaction to the Bitcoin blockchain. So, if I send you a hundred dollars, then it's still it stuck stayed. in that channel, and that's it. It's 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 in. When I say stuck in that channel, like it is what I paid for, right? And it can just be there. And I can keep that $100 in that Lightning channel if I want to. But if you want to withdraw it, and if and you pull if out you the $100... And if you listen to our last episode of the Bitcoin podcast, submarine swaps would allow you to take that $100 and pay for something on the actual Bitcoin blockchain. Hey, yo. Interesting. Yeah, man. This is, this is getting interesting fast. But there's lots of updates happening, and... So that's why you'll see people that open up like 16 channels, right? Because it's, it's more like a good deed. They open up all these channels because like there's, there's going to be routes for Bitcoin transactions to flow. Now, why that gets cool is because now you can do sub... They're doing sub-Satoshi transactions, right? So that's new. And yeah. What that means is now you can actually, there is a world that exists now, if it can be programmed, where you can have a decentralized application or you can have a sidechain. Because if you're doing sub-Satoshi transactions, you can do, and if you can do them free and instantaneous, then you can do these crazy ass like 7, seven 14,000 transactions per second. You know, like ridiculous speeds. Um, it all depends on how robust the Lightning Network gets. You know, 
And so that all depends on the incentives to use it. One of the main incentives is um, if transactions are routed through your channel, you actually get some of those transaction fees, right? So how who gets the fees? The person who started the channel? The person who started the channel. So if I if I put down my hundred dollars and I open the channel to you, you get the fees. Congratulations. Then I get the fees, but but how does that channel close? Does it close once if I say it closes, or does yep. it close once I give you hundred dollars? It closes once you say it closes. So if you give me a hundred dollars and you close it, then when we closed it, the Bitcoin blockchain the, the, the blockchain the Bitcoin blockchain sees that I now have the one hundred dollars and you don't anymore. So if I want to send you more than a hundred, like so, I I, I more was... than hundred open the channel for more than one hundred. But then again, you know, ask so you yourself, can't send me any, any of that money back because you say it, you said it's one directional. It's one, yeah, it's it's unidirectional. So if if I open a channel for hundred dollars, I can only send you up to hundred dollars. Mm -hmm. I can only send you, you know, n n transactions yep. of amounts that add, then... add up to hundred dollars. Yes. And and then I guess other people using that channel that I opened, does that consume the hundred dollars? No, it doesn't consume the hundred dollars. You just have a hundred dollar capacity for them to send stuff through. But I am limited. So, like, to if they're sending five dollars, it's not mean that there's ninety five dollars left worth of Bitcoin. It just I got means, you. Yeah, that's not what that means. But I am limited to sending you hundred dollars, and yeah. they are limited to send. They're actually they can send multiple transactions that are hundred dollars through that hundred dollar pipeline that we create. You're absolutely right. Yes. So it behooves somebody who's trading in high volume to not be the person who's staking the amount to open up the channel. Yes. Huh. What are the transaction fees like? Right now, sub Satoshi. Huh. If you're sending a transaction, like I think if it's like $30 or low, it's a sub Satoshi fee. That's how many channels are open there. And how does that how does that transaction get processed? Mm, that's a great question. What do you mean? Well, the first, the very first uh, transaction goes on the Bitcoin blockchain. In between that, it's almost like having, like essentially, it's like having like a blockchain inside of a blockchain. That little ledger between point A and point B, like everything that goes through. Uh huh. That. That's so how you. Process. So so. Then my lightning node that I'm running the channel on records like a mini blockchain all of the transactions that are passing through it, including my own. I want to say that's a no. Because then, okay. I wonder what the answer to that question is. That's a great question. That's something that we should research. If you guys are listening to this right now, which I know you are, pop into the Slack and tell us what you found out. Because we spent way too much time on this article and we're going to have Sorry. to zoom past some. Uh, let's zoom through this one real quick. Uh, Joseph B. Lubin says that we're moving into phase two of Ethereum. We're moving into a space where Ethereum, this is his voice, 
We're moving into a space where Ethereum can serve as the layer one trust system and built into Ethereum will have hundreds of thousands of transactions in the layer two systems and we're going to see that ramified this, uh, ramified this year. Um, so once again, like Ethereum is working on uh, Plasma, which is essentially Lightning. It's actually built by the same guy, Joseph Poon, um, which essentially is proof of stake if you want to think about it. Like Lightning is fancy words for it, but Lightning is like proof of stake. Um, let's just be real. Uh, so, uh, there we go. Um, boom shakalaka. Next article. Mm. Oh, wait. And we're going on to Wednesday's article. Opera is testing a mobile browser with a built-in crypto wallet. Um, long story short there, don't trust that crypto wallet. They probably have the private keys. Be careful. If they give you your <laughs> private keys, cool. If they don't, don't use that shit. All right. Next article. Wednesday. Come at you. <laughs> Um, Crypto Kitties to debut a mobile app on HTC's flagship phone. Oh, this is what you were talking about before the show. Yeah. Written by Wolfie Zhao, 207 tweets and 23 upvotes. And it says, Crypto Kitties, the virtual cat breeding game that became so popular it clogged the Ethereum network, is to roll out a version of four mobile devices through a partnership with Taiwanese phone maker HTC. According to a statement, CryptoKitties, as well as third-party applications built on top of the game, will be launched on the HTT device at the end of this year. So that's very promising, right? We're seeing devices that are launching uh, these blockchain-centric applications. That's pretty dope. Um, that's pretty cool. Um, so for all you guys that like HTC phones, um, you know... It'll this set you one, back a thousand dollars. This will set you back a thousand dollars. You could have just bought an iPhone, but whatever. You, you wanted an HTC, and so you're gonna get this, and it's gonna you can play with your Crypto Kitties on it. And it's weird that you do that now because almost no one is doing anything with Crypto Kitties, but um, you know it was a fad, and you're still into it. So you're gonna be that guy, you know, who is trying to figure out which beanie babies to give to his ex in the divorce. That's going to be you playing crypto kitties on your HTC. Um, you say dark. that now and that then, and quick. then next year crypto kitties makes like a comeback and they're yeah. worth billions. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah. They're the beanie babies of the digital world. Um, next article and coming at you by Kristen Kim, 85%. Oh, wait, I can hold a tune there. They're coming at you. 85% of Canadians are aware. That's a quotation there. Why would you put quotations on a word like that in the headline? Meaning, like, this headline's basically bullshit. You know what I mean? Like, 85% of Canadians are aware, wink, wink, maybe they are, maybe they aren't, of Bitcoin, says Bank of Canada. Yeah, I wonder what that means. Your article's full of garbage, right? Am I wrong about interpreting it that way? Uh, hold on. Let, let's let's let me look into the actual article. Having conducted a in? similar survey back in 2016, the analysis found that there was an increased interest in Bitcoin's price. Blah blah blah. Results further show that ownership among Canadians rose from 2.9 to 5 percent. Overall awareness of the crypto. That's that's fucking dumb. All right, hold on. Survey broad voices. Blah blah blah. <laughs> <laughs> that's fucking dumb. Yeah, no, it is really stupid. I bet you that's based on the uh, Google SEO statistics saying that overall awareness of the cryptocurrency jumped up to 85%. I bet you that's what 
that's what the statistic oh, where the statistics some of these articles are like you could tell they were feeling lazy and didn't have any coffee so like oh god i gotta get i gotta i gotta do that article on bitcoin awareness shit what am i gonna do real quick oh i know what i'll do i'll google how people are googling bitcoin and then write a bunch of words around it oh yeah oh the next article's from her too so oh shit i'm sorry did we name her yeah, let's you not, did. Let's not name her. Sorry. I'm gonna. Christine Kim from CoinDesk. Get your <laughs> shit together. <laughs> um, IT ooh. giant Fujitsu is launching a ready-to-go blockchain service. Fujitsu. According to the register, prices <laughs> for the service start at 9,900 euros. 9,900 euros and will include everything from basic introductory lessons on blockchain tech to assessments of the proposed use. What the fuck is this? You do not like Christine's writing. No, this is dumb. It's a, it's a learning service for 99, 9,900 euro. Which is like what? 10,000, 12,000. It's like a boot camp. It's a boot camp. Yeah. yeah. This proof of business approach in contrast to a proof of concept is a way of, for clients to run through business process that focuses on creating business value. In quota- she loves her quotations, creating business value and avoids common pitfalls. Christine, are they pitfalls or are they not pitfalls? Way too many quote-unquote pitfalls. <laughs> I don't uh, blame Christine. All right, let's go this. to the next one. I blame the Bitcoin editor for this. Wait, there's a quote. Com. Wait, before you, okay. you're jumping it. You're jumping it. All right. There's a quote Sorry. here. According to FinTech Finance, he explained, inspired by high levels of interest from our customers, we've created this ready-to-go package not only to jumpstart the customer's blockchain efforts, but also to review and improve existing process, projects available immediately across the EMEIA region. Uh what that's a region you know what right that there. means to me you know what that all that whole paragraph means to me it means they don't know how like what revolutionary new application to develop so they're going to teach how to use the ethereum blockchain and they're going to they're going to create a business around teaching it because I they mean, don't know what to do with it yeah that's what they're doing does that make you upset? I feel like there's tension in your voice. I, I, there is. I'm, I'm, I'm salty. And it's Fujitsu. <laughs> they made, they made your disposable cameras back in the '90s. Would you say you're salty or umami? I'm definitely salty. Okay, I just wanted to see if we could do a little bring that back action, but you shut it down. Definitely not umami. Okay. <laughs> Um, so the next your little phone thing. Oh, I, it's I left my phone in the other room. Excuse me, I left my way professional soundboard in the other room. Way professional. Uh, <laughs> that's my mouth. There we go. I do uh, have a MIDI board. I could probably set up some sounds. We should like. You want to get radio show with this? Like where we're like that's crazy, and like we like like a little explosion goes off. It's like oh, I mean, we're, we... we're gonna drop another bomb on you. And then, like, another soundboard that's like Popeye that's like, like, whenever we read articles written by Christine Kim that are just way stupid, we're like, a little Popeye noise. I mean, we could. You want to? I have it. You have 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 a mini board. Yeah. Why don't we do that next show? Let's get creative, like, with this shit. Let's, uh, 
Do we know any like Street Fighter noises that we could throw in there? Like the punch sounds? I know yeah, where I'm to sure find the can. punch sounds. Okay. So we can like yeah, throw can, some punch noises that. in there. Like whenever a banker gets on there and he's like, I've told you a million times, Bitcoin is nothing fancy about it at all. Brr. We can make like a Ryu uh, punch sound. <laughs> I'm down. That okay, sounds like right. a, like a funny project. That would be pretty fun, actually. I think we should spend some time doing that. Um, all right, all right, all right, all right. The next article. Yeah. Getting back on track. In Robinhood crypto app adds Bitcoin Cash and Litecoin trading. The this Robinhood crypto app now supports news. BCH and LTC. Is it? <laughs> Robinhood's trading crypto. Like, why do we need to? This old. News. No, 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 it was only Bitcoin, oh. and they just added. Bitcoin Cash and uh, Litecoin. In a world. That's actually Robin pretty Hood good. Accepts Bitcoin Cash and Litecoin. There you go. That's all you need to know. That, that article is squared away for you. You know what I do like about Robinhood is they're not using the traditional crypto colors. They're saying fuck you to the system. And they're using Fuchsia for Litecoin and Teal for Bitcoin Cash. Like, do you see these colors on here? Yeah, like in a world where branding doesn't even matter at all to Robinhood. <laughs> yeah, it looked like Tron if you if you were um, on the app for the initial launch of Bitcoin. Mm-hmm. It looked really futuristic the way that they display mm-hmm. the prices. Yeah, it does look really cool. Like that look makes me want to buy crypto on their application, and I'm not even joking. It's the future. 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 See, that could be one of our sound clips for our MIDI board. Oh, wait a <laughs> second. We've reached the last article of the week. I wish That's I made a it a better article, but. Um, so there's a picture of a bunch of ant miners, it looks like. And um, an ant miner, by the way, is uh, uh, just a. Uh, a, uh, it's a Bitcoin ASIC. It's a Bitcoin ASIC. There we go. Uh, and ASIC is a, what is it called? Atric specific integrated chip? Application. Specific Application specific integrated chip. Integrated circuit. Integrated circuit. That was close. That was real yeah. Close. Um, you, sometimes there's so many acronyms you, you forget. Um, so new power rates approved for crypto miners in upstate New York. So let's dig in. Here's here's a quote. We must ensure that business customers pay a fair price for the electricity that they consume. However, given the abundance of low-cost electricity in upstate New York, there's an opportunity to serve the needs of existing customers and to encourage economic development in that region. Okay, all right. So let's unpack this here. And if you live in an upstate New York, it looks to me you can get some pretty cheap electricity there. To do your mining. That's pretty cool. I wonder how cheap it is, though. I don't know. I'm looking here and I'm seeing a quote that says fair. Once again, I don't know if it's just the writers or whatever, but this writer here says fair. It's got it in quotes. So I got to ask myself, are the prices fair or are they unfair? Wow, it's 21 cents per kilowatt hour in New York. That's expensive. How is that That is really expensive. That dropped my whole fake New York accent and everything. That's actually really expensive. The actual price, like on average, is like ten to twelve cents, isn't it? Yeah. 
Um, okay, so if you're listening and you live in Texas, mine in Texas, uh, uh, never mind. It's really hot, and your, your, <laughs> your fan fees, just to cool off your miners, are actually going to make it more expensive. So uh, uh, ignore what I said there. Um, uh, ignore it completely. Um, but I, I, you know, I'm actually curious how much they're actually paying per kilowatt hour. So uh, a municipal utility provider in New York got the green light from state regulators to create a new set of electricity rates for cryptocurrency miners. Uh, the move by the New York State Public Service Commission, uh, they announced Thursday, allowing the, the Masena Electric Department to allow high-density load customers such as cryptocurrency companies to qualify for service under an individual service agreement. So... Uh, we're, we're starting to get a little bit more lenient approach to how crypto uh, companies uh, are treated uh, by traditional companies, you know? I mean, that's a better accent than what I could put on. Hot dog, pizza, pie. Wind industry shows wind energy is routinely purchased in bulk for just two cents per kilowatt hour. Hot damn, and two turbines cents. Turbines are only getting cheaper, bigger, and better. Two cents? Yeah, Man, two I'm cents. I'm going to some fans and just blow into those bitches for two cents. That's, like, that's pretty crazy. I'm kidding. You can't do that. Not enough, not enough torque. Um, that is the, it is torque, right? The fans and the torque turns the... Yeah, mechanical the torque. torque generates the... Yeah, okay. Um... That's crazy. So if you if you see a a uh, windmill farm, then try to buy electricity near that because it's probably yeah. I don't know. It's way cheaper. Why? Super this is the thing that I don't get is that we're nine years in the game, and you read if if you're savvy and you're up to date on things, then you've probably gone enough layers down to know that crypto mining is a big deal and it's making a lot of money so if you have access to energy like for instance these companies out in west texas that are putting up uh, windmills like it's going out of style and then um you've got in russia where they're building these like fourth and fifth generation nukes nuclear power plants um that are, you know could run planets and uh, out in the middle east they have wave technology uh and they're reducing the amount of electricity like you could you could potentially mine cryptocurrency at like a third or maybe even yeah like at a third of the cost of the rest of the world because they're using regular um or, or not regular but i guess what would you say not coal but definitely did you know not. eight eight of the 10 largest wind farms in the world are operated in the u.s with five situated in texas alone yeah, Texas, West Texas is huge. On uh, I, I went to uh, my university is in West Texas, and whenever I drove to visit, like you just see windmills everywhere. They're oh everywhere damn! Okay. And so um, it's 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 a big deal because it's hella windy out there, and um, it's, it's supplying a lot of the renewable energy to everyone out there. Um, it's actually in excess because not a lot of fucking people live out there. So eight percent of the U.S.'s energy is generated by um, wind. I didn't know that. Wow. And so, okay, so you are a brilliant comp a tech company, and you have now got 
wind farms that are just just generating shit tons of electricity. Why in the hell wouldn't you hook up miners to those? Like, how is that not a no-brainer? You yeah, get your like, money like, back in like three months. Um, like, there has to be some legality to it that I'm missing because to me, I'm just thinking like every single power plant should have miners outside of it. Like they should just start fencing it off and making it happen because if you're generating the electricity and you kind of control that supply, then why wouldn't you be leveraging that to like turn the electricity into money? That is something that I don't get. Maybe I'm speaking of a future that could come, but to me it just seems common sense. Just that I ask you, you've known about crypto for with S nines. I, I mean, with whatever, but you've known about crypto for how long? If right now you had access to free electricity somehow in bulk, what would be your first thing that you do tomorrow? Set up miners. Exactly. Right. Like it's a no-brainer. If somebody was like, "Hey, Jesse." Cool story. I got this factory, and I'm going to pay the electricity bill on it. What do you want to do with it? I'll tell you what I want to do with it. Fill that bitch with miners. Let's make some money. Well, so I heard that there was like this um, in a strip mall that there were um, spaces to be rented out where you could actually – like the owner would actually pay for the electricity. And so I looked into that, and I found out it was actually not true. You actually pay for your electricity. You actually mm -hmm. split the electricity costs with everybody that's in your um, strip. But – my friend, he has a warehouse in Charlotte um, that he runs his business out of, and he was telling me that there's free electricity there mm. as part of his deal um, because I think the owner didn't realize that. I don't know. They didn't know. do it, they're, but they could have hooked up a bunch of know, miners. I'm speaking out of ignorance, of course. There might be some legalities to it, right? There's probably some like claw or law that says that you can't turn electricity into money if you actually – are controlling the supply of electricity. <laughs> it seems like extra cheater mode. Like somebody put in the game genie to to being rich, and that was the cheat code. We um, probably need like some sort of money remittance license. Would you? Yeah, if you're going to trade that crypto for money. Why would you trade it for money? It is money. Just hold it. And if you're making it at that such a rapid rate, just pay for stuff with it. There's enough... You can live off of crypto nowadays. It's not hard. You get yourself a shift card uh, or one of the other credit cards, uh, debit cards that you can spend crypto with. You know, make enough deals with your suppliers. Like I'm, I'm pretty sure it's not nearly as tough as it was five five years ago. I don't know. Anyways, uh, fucking, we need to wrap this up. You want to do the outro thing this time? No, I'll let you do the outro. My outro. No, man, you been... do the outro. You did the intro. You do the no, outro. No, you do. You do the outro. All right. All right. Um, you gonna do it? No, I, I'll let you do it. All right. Um, so thank you guys for listening to another episode of Just the Headers. If you like this episode, I'll tell you what. Like, subscribe to us on your thing. This is, this will be on the Bitcoin podcast feed. If you found it somehow, um, you know, subscribe to us. Um, join the Slack. Go to the BitcoinPodcast.com and join the Slack if you like. Hey, want to shoot the shit with Jesse and I during the week? Uh, we try to stay in there as, as um, at least once a day. I'm checking the Slack. Um, probably more than once a day. I'm checking the Slack. Um, oh, Lane. 
Lane dropped a comment in DM in Slack, and he was oh, saying, I love these and your accents. They're terrible. Keep it up. <laughs> <laughs> um, I will very much work on my accents for you, Lane. Um, <laughs> um, what else do we do? Uh, JT from the Slack, Jonathan Thompson. Uh, he uh, writes uh, a week to be in crypto on the Bitcoin pod on medium.com slash the Bitcoin podcast. Um, it's basically like a week in Ethereum, but it's all of crypto. And, you know, he's got some suggestions for other good podcasts that came out, um, books that he's reading. Um, you know, we hope that you go look at that. Um, what else? Oh, if you would like to contribute written content to our Medium page, uh, please hit me up in the Slack, and uh, I can make that a very fluid process for you. JT can ask you. It took like a day, and he was already contributing his newsletter. And we're in hopes that that can be uh, somewhat of a magnet for you guys that want to create written content. Uh, you can kind of leverage the Bitcoin Podcast Network to do so um, and just toss it up there. So definitely join the Slack and hit me up. I'm Fergalotti in there. Um, uh, Jesse started a breakdancing club, um, so you can actually hit him up in there as well. Um, but you got to be funky with the footwork, and those—that's his quote, not mine. He said you got to be funky with the footwork, or you don't get a cardboard from him. And um, <laughs> I had to look up the cardboard thing, but apparently, like when you breakdance on the streets, you breakdance on top of cardboard. And I was like, oh, okay, I get it now. Um. How's that going, by the way, Jesse? Your breakdancing club? It's uh, it's going real well. We actually upgraded from cardboard to plywood. Oh wow! Congratulations. Yeah. MD5 yeah. or? Uh yeah. Nice. MD5 is that the is that like the thickest? And that the really high grade plywood? You might be right. I don't know anything about plywood. Oh. Uh, I just know that we got it from Home Depot, and nice. That's what we're doing. Um, I think that's it, man. Um, yeah. That played, play, no, that's a Bitcoin podcast thing. Now I don't know how to get to the outro. <laughs> dun, um, dun, 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 dun. That's our show. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. 